Welcome to the Fortune Management Practice Mastery Podcast. Each episode, we bring you powerful conversations with thought leaders in the dental, veterinary, optometry, and medical industries. At Fortune Management, we coach doctors and teams to have an extraordinary practice and an extraordinary life. I'm your host, Kim McGuire, and today I'm thrilled to have an optometrist as a guest on the podcast. Dr. Lisa Weiss is one of Fortune Management's client superstars. In this episode, Dr. Weiss shows us how she has built a multi-specialty optometry practice, including her passion, vision therapy. Sue Reardon, the director of the optometry division for Fortune, also joins in on the conversation. And now here's our conversation with Dr. Weiss and Sue. Welcome, Sue and Dr. Weiss. It's wonderful to have you both here. Uh, Sue Reardon is the Director of Optometry for Fortune Management, and Dr. Lisa Weiss is an optometrist in Southern California, and we're thrilled to have both of them on the Practice Mastery Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. We're excited. We are excited. Both of us very excited to be with you. And I'm really excited to bring optometry into the conversation under the podcast because it's such a wonderful industry and a vertical that we've had a lot of success in. And actually, Sue, I'd like to start with you, Sue being the director of our optometry division. What are you seeing in the industry of optometry today? What, are, what changes are coming coming across the industry? Well, I, I see that, you know, it's, it's a vertical of healthcare that affects so many people in so many different ways. I mean, many people wear, have worn glasses all their lives, uh, others' contacts. Um, people have have difficulties with their, their vision or, or learning disabilities and things like that. They're all affected by uh, the vision care industry. And I, I see it getting more difficult for doctors to accomplish the, the, the great deeds they want to do in, in helping their patients as a result of the uh, insurance industry and the the reimbursements for doctors, and uh, and then of course there's the, the corporate optometry and the big box stores and, and things like that. And I, I that is a big problem for our private practitioners. However, there are ways to to overcome that, and that's with the value you bring your patients. Absolutely. So, and you know, it is similar to our friends in the dental and veterinarian, you know, areas, verticals, where they're finding, you know, corporate uh, companies right. are um, bringing some some unique challenges. So, what are you seeing that the optometrists that you're working with are doing to deal with some of these changes on the horizon? Well, I think they're starting to realize that they do need to change. Uh, many of them will say, "Well, we used to do this, and you know, that will be go be able to get back to that." But no, I've seen a change in the few years that I've been in the industry um, that it's even different than two years ago. So we must change. We must say, what is it that we need to do and bring our patients that we were not doing before? And a lot of it is is medical, uh, more medical-based um, um, treatments for patients and getting involved in that and not just providing eyewear for the patients. And so many of the doctors are qualified, but they just have not done that. And so many of our doctors have done treatment in the medical field, but have not really uh, handled how to bill it and are doing treatment 
free for their patients and as a, as a, because they're doctors and they care and they want to help their patients. So they don't recoup what they should be in order to sustain their practice. Okay, that's that's great, interesting perspective. Well, I'm really glad we've got Dr. Lisa Weiss on the line. Dr. Lisa, why don't you tell us a little bit about your practice and how you are dealing with uh, some of the changes on the horizon? Well, we have a, I have a uh, full scope primary care practice for the most part. Um, so we try to do you know, take care of all patients' primary care needs because I really believe optometrists are really primary care eye doctors. So we need to be not only just checking their vision for, you know, if they need glasses, contacts, um, but checking their eye health and also um, talking to them about their systemic health is a big, big role for optometry. Um, So we do all of that. But in our office, um, we specialize in vision therapy. I'm a developmental optometrist, so I'm COVD board certified in diagnosing and treating all of those kinds of vision problems that affect our kids' reading and learning in school. And so we have a large percentage of our practice that's specialty in that, um, and that helps us kind of differentiate and, you know, add some value, add um, an extra specialty service to our patients that you can't really find, you know, you can't find at Walmart and you can't find, you know, anywhere really around the corner. So you really have a multi-specialty optometry practice essentially because you've got some other doctors that work for you. Is that right? Yeah, we do. We do. We try to cover everything. Um, We have a lot of technology. That's another thing that I believe that um, doctors need to have and embrace um, better ways of diagnosing, being able to diagnose things earlier and quicker. Um, But we have a lot of technology and I have two other doctors so that I can focus on my passion in the vision therapy area of the practice. And then I have some other doctors that, you know, their focus can be a little bit more on um, the eye diseases and the medical aspects of optometry. And that way we can hopefully try to cover all the patients and all the needs and all the patients that come through our door. And if I could add something as well, one thing that I've learned uh, about optometry is the optometrist can provide so many different services to patients that, that patients and, and just maybe the, the regular layman don't even know that an optometrist does. They can, they can do things a general practitioner medical doctor cannot do, that they do not diagnose because that's not their field. They also do things that an ophthalmologist does. In some cases, they do things better than an ophthalmologist might do. And I think Dr. Weiss can maybe address that a little better um, for some of the things that the optometrists are now being recognized for and should have been recognized for all along. Sure. There's, um, you know, we talk about how challenging it is to be an optometrist, but and another side of that is that it's actually a very huge, huge opportunity to be an optometrist right now. And what I mean by that is that if we can grow as a profession and embrace a lot more of the medical model Um, We do do a lot of the same things as ophthalmologists does, save for surgeries. Um, And the problem is that in many, many areas, there's limited ophthalmologists. And ophthalmologists are not, um, they're not training more of themselves. And so with a growing, growing aging population and more numbers of optometrists, there's going to be a time with all of the people who are now newly on healthcare and the more and more people that have to have 
health insurance and the more and more people that are going to be on Medicare, there's going to be a shortage of ophthalmologists. So it's actually, it might not be a super good time for the retail side of optometry, but if we can capitalize on um, being able to see more patients a little bit more efficiently using our technology and have the same quality of care for a primary care eye doctor that a general ophthalmologist would do, optometry actually has a really, really good advantage there. And then if a doctor can find something that they really love, like vision therapy or low vision or so many different areas, or um, they want to fit keratoconus patients or cornea transplant patients or... Um, you know, there's so many different ways you can differentiate and specialize your practice. And if you do all of those things, I think that, I hope that, I must be. I hope we're going to be okay. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, I love, what I love what you're saying, Dr. Weiss, is that you really, what fortune teaches to have an abundance mindset rather than a scarcity mindset and see that there's opportunity everywhere. I love it. See what a good fortune student I am. <laughs> you are. You're terrific. Thanks to Sue. He is. He is. Well, Sue is an amazing coach and just an amazing person to be with. So I, I my hat's off to both of you. So you're, I can tell you're extremely passionate about the vision therapy side of your practice, Dr. Weiss. Why don't you give us some examples of how you've changed some, some children's lives through your vision therapy? Um, you know, vision therapy is really awesome because that's what I tell parents when I'm, um, counseling them as to why they should do this for their child is that there's almost no medical treatment that you could rely on a hundred percent. You know, you know, the doctor, well, you get a medication that might work. You get a surgery. Well, it might work. It might not work. You may need another surgery. I mean, there is nothing like vision therapy and how well it does work. I mean, it can work nearly 100% of the time. And I know we're live and I know it's being recorded and I know I'm saying that, <laughs> but this is what I tell parents, provided that we don't have some confounding developmental problem or something we're working against. But in the normal, um, in a typically developing person, um, I mean, you can, it, it absolutely 100% will work and we see it and we change lives every single day when, you know, we have that attitude in the practice and it takes us working with the patients, it takes the parents, it takes everybody working at home and everybody working together. But um, you can take a child who's maybe struggling in reading, maybe they're starting to not like school, they're kind of going down the wrong path, um, and really turn that around from them. And that makes a huge difference really to society as a whole, in my opinion, too, because um, a lot, a lot, um, there are studies about this, but there's an abundance of kids in like juvenile hall that didn't have glasses or have some kind of vision related problem that is kind of, um, contributed them to not doing well in school. And if you don't like school and you're not doing well in school, there's plenty of ways to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really, um, it really works. It really helps. And, um, you know, as, as much as I say that, whenever somebody comes and tells me how good their child is doing at school, it gives me goosebumps, even though I hear it like, you know, multiple times a day, I still like, Oh my gosh, it worked. Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. Your child's, you know, not on their sleeping medication because they're no longer anxious to go to school the next day and can't sleep. You're a nine-year-old. So those kinds of things happen. Kids are so stressed out and the demands that they, you know, get are very, very tough. And sometimes our visual systems just don't handle it well. Um, and we can make a big, big, big change for those, those people. Um, vision therapy, I want to add to, you know, working with the learning related difficulties is, um, kind of, it's my 
probably my specialty area, but vision therapy is great because we can work with um, people who have had brain injury to help them recover function from, for example, um, a concussion, a concussion in sports, a car accident, a stroke. Um, we can treat what's commonly, you know, known as lazy eye, amblyopia, or strabismus cross eye. We can do that without um, subjecting somebody to anesthesia that you would need if you had eye muscle surgery. Um, and there's lots of different areas, double vision, computer vision strain. People get, people um, have eye muscle balance and focusing problems because of being on the computer so long. So there's a lot, it's a very broad um, specialty. You can basically treat almost anybody you know, for any kind of comfort, discomfort or issue that's related to their visual system and how it's working, how it's functioning. So, and I can just hear the passion in your voice and I, and I see that it can, can be just transformational for, for your patients. So, so I love it. Did you always have a vision in your vision for your business to have a multi-specialty practice? Yeah. I, I mean, I really became an optometrist so that I could do vision therapy. That's what got me, um, you know, wanting to go to optometry school, but I really do like doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like all the aspects. I love seeing different people, you know, all day long. I love that each half hour, it's a different problem I get to solve for somebody. Somebody needs glasses. Somebody wants contacts. Somebody's having problems on their computer. Somebody's, you know, it's, so it's nice um, to be able to help people in all those different kinds of ways. Um, and then I always knew that I wanted to have this um, extra focus um, in my practice. So I like to, I like to learn new technologies. I like to learn new ways of helping people, um, new ways of treating diseases, new medications, things like that. But, um, I always knew that I would wanted to focus a big portion of my energy on that side of my practice. So, so I, I hear that you had this vision when you started your practice. So then how, but vision is only as good as how well we execute, right? So how did you execute in bringing on other doctors? Did you come to a point where your practice was getting so busy that you needed to bring somebody on an associate? How did you work that logistically? Well, I, I know that in order to develop a specialty, and I'm just going to speak more generally for a second, just so that people that maybe don't want to add vision therapy to their practice, but they want to add a different specialty, it will kind of apply. But um, you have to, first of all, obviously, you have to have a passion for wanting to do that, whatever the specialty is. Um, but you have to dedicate some time you know, out of your schedule to developing that, you know, developing your particular conversation you're going to have with patients, your particular... Um, um, paperwork or handouts or educational resources, your systems for in your office. And so a lot of that just takes a lot of time training your staff. Um, my staff is trained that when someone calls to schedule an appointment for their child, they ask, they ask if they're doing okay in school and if they're reading and there's a whole systems checklist. And I know many people do the same thing. If you have like a dry eye specialty, that doctor will give every single patient that walks in a dry eye questionnaire to, to kind of weed out those patients. But you really need to carve out the time. And if your primary care practice is so busy, and I've seen this a lot because a lot of my colleagues, um, I have a very good friend colleague in Colorado, and he wants to add vision therapy to his practice, but he keeps telling me, I don't have time. I have to see so many, like Sue was saying, we have to see so many primary care patients in order because of insurance being cut and different things. It's really hard to carve out that time. So I just had to make the commitment that I was going to hire another doctor to do that stuff so that I could carve out the time. 
And I think you just have to change your mental mindset and just understand that, okay, you're not seeing primary care that day. And that day might not be as productive dollar wise in the book, but it's going towards building your goals and it's going towards building your vision. So in the long run, you know, it's going to pay off. I think that's, yeah. That's great. What you're what you're saying is that you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to invest in that time, and sometimes you do have to, yeah, take away some days and make them less productive in order to build on that future, um, to bring on to bring on that associate. We see that a lot in, in in veterinarian and dental. We we see we see the same same challenges. So, would you say, Sue, that the, that Dr. Weiss's team is shifted a little bit because of the way that they've set up their multi specialty practice? How's well, I different? think her team has shifted a hundred percent, regardless of that. But in order to do what she wanted to do, and in, as she mentioned, any doctor would want to do in 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 running his practice is to have that right team. And Lisa has gone through the hurdles, like so many do, but she does have a dynamite team, and she hung in there uh, till she found that team and she she went after it. And that also takes that time that that to discipline yourself to stick with it and, can, and and not settle for a team that isn't as driven or doesn't want the same outcome as you do. Right. And uh, she has that team. Right. And it, and it does take a lot of time it for does. any of the listeners mm-hmm. who want to develop a specialty in their practice. It certainly does not happen overnight. <laughs> I've been in my practice 10 years. I still want more vision therapy. I mean, it is very big. It is very busy. Um, but in order to cultivate all the different referral sources and to get people to know that that's what you do and get them to, you know, recommend you and refer and then get other patients. I mean, it just takes, it's a cycle. It just takes a really long time. You have to start with that one patient in whatever special it is. So for me, started that one patient vision therapy, and then you have two, mm-hmm. and then you have three, and then you turn around and you have 40, you know, so <laughs> and, and also 40 a let's, week. Let's give credit to Dr. Weiss has a vision therapist. Uh, Dawn is her vision therapist who also works with Dr. Weiss and these children. So it's that area of the practice has grown. So it's like almost two within the practice. And I have seen the growth of her team where um, they can all do a lot of things, but there was a breaking point where we needed to take our vision therapist out of the front office. And now that she's doing this and she's doing more of it and she's spectacular at it. So there is that aspect. Right. And that just speaks to, um, you have to, you have to dedicate a staff person. So, you know, starting up makes it, you know, it's very difficult. It was hard to, um, I have whenever I do calculations about my practice for payroll and staffing and who do I need, I have this one extra full. She's not extra for sure. Don't let her hear me say that. But <laughs> I have this one staff member who is full time on my books, on my payroll, full time, who does not contribute directly to production and retail, scheduling new patients, um, production and contact. And so, you know, it is a factor. You really have to invest into that. And there's a breaking point where um, I used to do vision therapy, um, you know, personally myself, but again, then you're taking out of the productivity of the rest of the practice to do so. And I had, and there was a teeter point (laughs) where I said, okay, well now I can't take out any more time on my practice because I'm the producer of the patients. 
you know, in the time slots and I need to be seeing them and I want to be seeing them, you know, and then I had to really invest in a full-time, basically a full-time person to, I mean, and she does so much more than just help me move with the patient. She does all the administrative, she does all the billing, she chases down, you know, payers and, you know, all kinds of things, report writing, communicating with school districts, communicating with other doctor, you know, I mean, just the whole thing. So when you do, you know, want to decide, okay, I want this specialty, there's a point where you can't do everything. You have to invest in sort of like a staff member that's not, you have to understand that that staff member is not producing glasses sales. (laughs) They're not scheduling appointments. They're not doing recalls. They're not doing any of that, you know, so it's really, um, you have to want to, you know, it's not going to work out because you're not going to have the mental mindset or want to set aside the fun, the funds and things for that to make that happen. So yeah, I have, t- I have two questions just real quick. What percentage of your practice is vision therapy and what do you call this team member that's focused just on your vision therapy part? In my practice right now, it's probably, it's around 30% of what we generate for, um, it goes in the professional fees category. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, because retail is such a huge side of optometry sure. right now, hopefully mm-hmm. for a long time, I hope we can maintain, <laughs> we can keep it somehow. Um, it's not like the vision therapy is 30% of the whole total, total practice. It might be more like 20%, mm-hmm. but that's because we also do sell a ton of glasses and contacts and other things. Certainly. Um, mm-hmm. But it's we, we, I put it in the professional fees category, and so because it's strictly professional fees. There's no cost of goods involved. There's, you know, so um, that's about 30% of the professional fees. And you had another side to that question and oh, just, I forgot it. I'm sorry. That's okay. What do you, what do you call, just I'm curious what the team member's title is. Oh, handles. sorry. So um, I call her a vision therapist. Um, you know, there's bigger practices throughout the country that will have like a vision therapy administrator, like Mm -hmm. someone who does the phone calling and the scheduling. And it's a big, big ordeal because you, people are, it's 40 people and they have a time slot once a week. And then one of them can't come here Mm -hmm. and they want to come here. And I mean, it's just like, you know, so a lot of practices that are, um, there's definitely practices that are bigger than mine. They might have, um, vision therapy practices. I mean, they may have, um, you know, a couple vision therapists. Um, they might have a vision therapy um, administrator, um, patient coordinator. So I have a woman of all trades. So, <laughs> so we just we call her vision therapist. Okay, I see. And then I'm just curious. You see, what did you say about forty patients? Yeah, I mean, it's forty patients a week, mm-hmm. forty minutes. Um, you know, the nice thing about it is it's all cash pay. And we're Mm -hmm. talking about insurance and how we're getting less money. And this is all basically private pay, cash pay for the most part. So um, not only does it not cost me any cost of goods or anything to run that side of the practice other than her salary, um, I'm not also, I'm collecting everything. Yeah. uh Yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And this kind of segues, I'm curious, Dr. Weiss, how do you market these services? You've mentioned you know, uh, referring docs and things like that. Tell me about how you market yourself. You know, we've done a variety of things over the years. Um, we've done things like mailings to other, we rely a lot on, um, other optometrists in the area that don't 
provide it Mm -hmm. because believe me, they have patients who need it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, doing mailings, um, educating them, making sure that we're not going to sell glasses to their patients when they come in, things like that, because people get very sensitive over that. Sure. I'm not going to steal the patients. I'm not going to steal their family. I just want to help the one kid and I'll send them right back (laughs) to you. Don't worry. Yep. Um, so a lot of, uh, letters and marketing to local, local ODs, um, vision therapy is a tricky one because pediatricians don't believe in it. So neither do ophthalmologists. And so you're kind of always battling against that. So it's very difficult to get referrals or any sort of like, um, anything from any professionals like that. But, um, psychologists do, um, speech and language people, reading tutors that refer patients because they're working with them and they're, they're having problems. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. and they know, um, so we did have done a lot of letters and things like that in the past. Um, I definitely try to, Sometimes I feel that bulk mailing people letters when they don't know you, I would throw it away if it came to me. So sometimes I think it's better to have a direct touch. So if I know that um, a certain patient has happened recently, uses a certain reading tutor, and then I happen to know that another patient uses that reading tutor because I do gather all of that information from mm-hmm, them, you know, mm-hmm. um, then I'll call that person and yep. I'll say, you know, I'm working with so-and-so. Please let me know what you see when you're trying to work with them and let's work together. And then, you know, and then that builds trust and it builds referrals. Um, and really the best way is another parent. When you have, when you're a parent and you see you're struggling and your child is struggling and you see something that helps them, you want to tell, you know, every single parent, you know, and so we do use social media a lot for that. Also, we'll do videos of kids doing vision therapy. We'll do video testimonials and we'll have people put those on their Facebooks for their other friends to see. We'll put it on our Facebook. And so, um, you know, that helps a lot. And mostly now we're, you know, word of mouth, um, referrals because somebody at somebody's church mentioned that their kid's not reading so good and someone overheard and told them to come, you know, all that kind of thing. Right. And if, and if I might add, I, I've seen some of the video testimonials and the parents are crying. They're so grateful because their life, the life of their child is now changed forever. And that is, it's not a temporary thing. It's forever. Their life has been improved by what they've received from Dr. Weiss and her team. And it just, it's wonderful goosebumps tears because mm. it's, it's a child. You're talking about a child. And, and, I, and I also wanted Dr. Weiss to refer to what, what are the schools have you do, doctor, if you could share? Um, well, we have a special situation. I really want to talk. I mean, talk, I'll speak a little bit to it, um, but it's kind of a special situation in San Diego specifically and in other parts of California, but it's not um, across the country. Okay. Um, San Diego has um, has been very, very, very fortunate. There are special education laws in California and other states too um, requiring vision therapy to be done and paid for by the school districts should if they need it. It's a tricky process because there's a lot of rules as to who and who does not qualify. Um, but I've been very, very, very fortunate for the 14 years that I've been in San Diego in another practice and in my practice to be a consultant for the school districts and also provide vision therapy for the patients through the school districts. Um, and so we have, you know, San Diego Unified is a huge, 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 huge school district. And I'm not the only one who is able to do it, but, um, 
so we do get a lot of patients that way. And then I've also been able to build relationships. And this is something anybody could do um, in their towns is to build relationships with their local schools, their private schools, um, things like that. And we have relationships with all of the local school districts in the area of San Diego that I'm in. And being the only vision therapy provider in the area of San Diego that I'm in, that's very fortunate for me in that scenario. Um, but it's very, very hard um, to get public schools to pay for it um, if they don't already have contracts and things in place. Um, there's a lot of rules and a lot of things. But um, we've been lucky here in San Diego that that is a way that vision therapy has been able to be provided to thousands and thousands of kids in special education in San Diego County. It's a pretty amazing program. That's amazing. I love it. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what people can do is there's a lot of um, charter schools that are popping up all over the place sort of as an alternative to your regular public, you know, neighborhood public school. And those schools have their own separate funding. There are a lot of um, homeschool programs like half homeschool, half school, individual sort of programs. And those schools have their own funding. They don't have like a whole general, like they have to share with all the schools in San Diego County, you know, Mm -hmm. they have um, their own funding. And so sometimes as an individual doctor, you could contact your charter, your local charter schools, the private schools, the um, sort of the you know, the homeschool programs and things like that. And you can get contracts with them um, and, and the as contra- an individual to an individual school. What I'm hearing you say, Dr. Weiss, is that you're, you, the way you market your practice is that you probably started out more from a referring from other doctors or other therapists, things like that. And it's organically grown to now where you're getting patient to patient referrals and you're really integrating yourself into the school. So I think mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Correct. Wonderful. So... What, um, tell me what challenges you have in your practice. Oh, um, you know, we always want more patients in the door. We always want, you know, less administrative, you know, problems. But, um, like I said, I think that, you know, we sort of take all of that for, with a grain of salt because I'm just fortunate that I get to practice, you know, how I want to for the most part. Um, but it's always challenging. There's always something coming up. And the next thing, you know, um, you think you're cruising along fine. And now we have ICD 10 in three weeks and my billing person out in the hospital. So, you know, it's just one challenge after the other. And, um, I have friends and colleagues that get very worked up over it. And if I let myself get worked up over it, I'm going to have a problem too. So I try to really, the whole thing, the whole business is challenging. Mm-hmm. And I try to take one little piece at a time and just, you know, figure out how I can cope and figure out what I need to do to either take care of more patients. Um, you know, there's like I was explaining earlier with opportunities for optometry. Um, we're trying to get a bill in California now to be able to give immunizations if we need to, just to less clog up the physician's offices for people just getting flu shot. Sure. We are trying to integrate more into primary care in terms of diabetic care because um, there's tons and tons of diabetes and diabetes is one of the main drains and finances in the healthcare system. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very expensive. And we're trying to get right on the front lines to where we can check blood sugar on people, order labs, because people will come to their optometrists a lot more 
often, um, a lot of times. Those are all challenges. So even though I don't, um, like that stuff scares me, like I don't want to change my mode of practice really, and I don't want to do any of those things really, but I know that I'm going to have to be open to something different. I just don't know what. So, um, you know, being, uh, you know, a member of being in fortune, I'm, I'm a member of vision source and just trying to really learn and understand what has worked for other people where, you know, a lot of people have different opinions as to what the challenges are going to be and where the profession's going to go. And I just kind of sit and kind of look and listen and try to learn and incorporate what I, what I can. Terrific. Well, obviously what I'm hearing is that, you know, you're just open to to change and open to new things and managing your state and not letting your, the, the challenges of your business get you down because the positives and all this transformation that you're doing with the patients is just outweighs all those. Yeah. All those I mean, I always joke around. I mean, I have huge things happening right now in the next couple of years to where I'm purchasing my real estate and I'm going to expand my office. And I have, you know, I have a joke in the office, kind of just in my own head. I don't tell everybody this. I think Dawn, my vision therapist knows this, but I mean, if it's just her and me doing vision therapy because we can't survive at the rest of optometry, then we're going to have the largest square footage of vision therapy you know, because <laughs> there might not be anything else left. I really, really, truly hope that's not the case. And that's why I, you know, like that's why I need to stay, you know, on top of everything, but it's in the back of my mind. It's a limiting belief, Dr. Weiss. Okay, <laughs> you say so. Well, I think it's just being open to, to changes and open to where you can, like you've already done, where you can grow your business in other ways. And it sounds like you are also a great leader and you know how to communicate what your vision is to your team so that they'll get behind you. And yes, you have to sometimes go through a couple of team members to get the right ones, but it sounds like you've really done a great job with that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very proud of her. I think they've done a wonderful job. We work at it. You know, we work at it every day. That's right. That's right. We wish we could go to the gym once and call ourselves fit, right? But we have to continually work on it all (laughs) the time. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I mean, my husband even asked me last night, when when do you think it's going to be done? Like, it's never done. It's never done. Yeah. It's never, ever done, Mm -hmm. you know. It sounds like you are very passionate about about what you do, and and I just I just love hearing the passion in your voice and and the tra- transformation you're making with with some of your patients. So, what has been some of some um, personal or professional advice that you've received that's really impacted you? Um, I actually think what I just told you, you know, about it's never it's never done. Um, I have a girlfriend, very very close girlfriend of mine, who's been in practice for 27 years. And our practices are very similar and we have very similar mindsets. And I said to her, kind of same thing my husband said to me last night. I kind of said to her, like, I don't know, five or six years ago or something. Um, and I was like, aren't you done? Like, aren't you like where you're, is your practice exactly where you want it? And, you know, you work only so many days a week and your income's where you want it. And what else do you have to do? Like, aren't you done? Are you just coasting? And she said, never, never, ever. Exactly. And I thought I was like, wow, because this is somebody who's been in practice more, you know, longer time than I have and who's kind of more on the second half of her career. I'm not saying she's old, she's not, but more on the second half of her career and she's still pushing forward and she's still making changes and she's still reinventing her practice. And I really, really look up to that because I don't want to 
Um, you know, those of us who just don't do that are going to be out of business. You can't stay stale. You know, patients want to see the new technology. They want to hear about new contact lenses. They want to know what's new. And, you know, I will have people, patients come to me and, you know, a lot of times the first thing I ask them is, where'd you get your eyes checked before? Why'd you leave? I wanted the same, them to leave me for the same reason. Sure. You know, and a lot of them, well, doctor didn't seem to know about such and such or stuff looked old or, you know, um, and a lot of people get burnt out, which I can absolutely completely understand um, how that happens. And they don't continue to improve. And, um, you know, the other sad thing about that is that you work very, very, very hard in this business, in this career. And if you don't keep improving your practice, you're not going to have a lot to show for it when you do want to go retire. You know, no one's going to buy, no one knew's going to buy a practice, you know, and then Certainly. your value mm-hmm. and all the time and sweat and blood and everything that you put into it throughout the years, um, you hopefully you're going to get a payoff at the end, you know. Um, so her advice, I think I always remember that even though she's been there for 26 or 27 years, she's still teaching me stuff. Absolutely. One, I think a couple things. I love what you're saying and that our listeners really need to hear about. One is that you need to constantly be keeping up with the technology and your clinical skills because it does matter to the patients. They don't always know, but their perception trumps reality, right? So if their perception is that you're so on top of it, they're going to stay with you. And secondly, what I hear you saying is that you're constantly need need to be growing. And of course, we teach the six human needs and growth and contribution are are their top sort of spiritual needs. And people are constantly wondering why they want to, you know, why they're not happy or they're wanting to be more happy. And our co-founder, Tony Robbins, always says that it's it's not always about happiness. Happiness, it's about growing and feeling like you're contributing. So I think that is wonderful that you're you're never you're never done. And if you have that mindset that you're never done, you will stay stay happier yourself. So I just yeah, love and it's, that. It's really, you know, it's really easy to go to work when you love what you do. Yeah. yeah. You know? This is true. This is true. Well, Sue, did you wanna did you wanna add anything about what Dr. Weiss was saying? No, I, I think that she's a perfect example. Uh and and I and I applaud her for that for doing all the things she just said. She does keep up with technology uh, on a regular basis. She's adding uh, new instruments and, and uh, to help her patients. She's also making sure that she stays focused on what her goal is, what her vision is. Uh, and through the thick and thin of it, she's, she gets it done. And uh, she's a great leader. I've, I have witnessed Dr. Weiss develop into an amazing leader and uh, her team loves her. I love her and her patients love her. And I think when you continue to, to do all of those things, you're, you can't help but be successful. And she is exactly that. So um, I want to thank Dr. Weiss for being a part of this for us. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, I, I would second that. Thank you so much for being such an amazing example of a successful fortune management client superstar and really being able to open up to us and let us know how you've been successful by creating this amazing vision therapy part of your practice and really looking at the horizon and looking at the changes and, and being able to be flexible and, and shift your focus so that you, you are going to be successful long term. I love it. I hope so. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, well, listen, you both have an amazing day and thank you so much for playing with me today. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Practice Mastery Podcast. 
For more information on Fortune Management and to find an event in your area, please visit fortunemgmt.com.